podcast with Victor Pacheco. Hello and welcome to Poppycock Podcast with your host, Victor Pacheco. I'm here today with a very special episode of my good friend, the hilarious Billy Anderson. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me, Victor. Thank you for being on my podcast. For those of you that don't know, Billy is a very hilarious comedian. You might have seen him on Dry Bar Comedy, or you might have seen him at a show in your town if you guys have lax marijuana laws. Billy is hilarious on stage, off stage. I really love this guy a lot. He's very inspirational. He says a lot of great things. He's a comics comic. And that's why I wanted Billy on the show here today specifically, because I really do have a lot of respect for Billy as a person and as a comedian and also as a producer. It's like, holy shit, you're like the whole package, Billy. So for those of you that don't know, Billy runs a really successful comedy show called The Gateway Show, which is a cannabis-themed show that I've been a part of that Billy takes across the country, where the first part of the show, you uh, the comedians are sober. Then there's an intermission and they get high. And then the second part of the show, the comedians are high as fuck and they present their jokes. Billy, where did you come up with this brilliant idea? Because this was like beyond me. I love it. Yeah, it's it's a good question. Uh, and thank you so much for having me on. And thank you for all the kind words. Uh, the idea, there, there have definitely been other shows before the Gateway Show was created, which was roughly eight years ago up in Seattle, Washington. And nice. there, there have definitely been other shows where like weed was involved. I don't want to pretend like I invented combining weed with comedy. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's been going on forever. Uh, the big hook we tried to do was to do the set, the sober set and then a high set. Uh, and for us to focus on mostly people who don't smoke, at least initially, now we kind of mix it up a lot more. But uh, when I moved to Seattle, Washington, I moved from... Wichita, Kansas, and then before there, Augusta, Georgia, both places that were not legal. And I still smoked. I, I didn't smoke like I, I smoke now because weed was garbage in both of those places. But uh, I, when I got to Seattle, I didn't know how strong the weed was. And I remember somebody's like, you want to take a hit of this joint before you go for the open mic or whatever? I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. I'm, I'm a big, strong man. I can take a hit of a joint. And it knocked me on my ass and I went up and I was funny for all the wrong reasons. Uh, so I thought, I thought, I think this would be a funny thing to do because what I liked about it was it was, I was getting laughs on things that like, I wasn't even intending to get laughs off of. And it kind of made me rethink about my set, even though it was only a three minute set in the back of a Thai restaurant. But, uh, we ended up bringing the show back to that venue, Jai Thai in Seattle. Um, and we started it there on a random Saturday. And I remember, I think our first gateway show, we had eight comics doing five minutes each. We took no intermission. Nowadays we take an intermission. We have maximum three comics. We include all sorts of games with the audience. But that first one, I think it was like eight people back to back doing five minutes, no intermission, no anything. And it's come a long way since then. So, yeah. For those of you that, at home that don't understand the significance of this. You have to understand, this is not a fucking traditional stand-up show that showcased, okay, listen, this is a show that actually puts comedians in a spot where we're vulnerable. And like for me, it makes me vulnerable the first part of the show when I'm really sober. I'm like, oh fuck, I'm in chronic pain right now. This is the nitty gritty, this is who I really am. And what's fucked up is sometimes I'll do better sober than I do fucked up. 
and like you know for most people it's like they'll get more laughs when they're fucked up and it's like you know for me it's like i'm more normal so like the the, the thing about this show that i really fucking love is that i've got to see a lot of great comics like prosper but also like see them like also struggle and like and it's a learning process for them and me vicariously watching them and so like i i like what, what what advice would you give for somebody who's on i've done your show a, a ton of times and i want to know personally what advice would you give for somebody for the first time doing the gateway show i do i i do try to give some advice which was usually i just tell them to calm down and not overthink it uh, I go, you know, when you're first set, I always say, just do your club set, do your comedy club set, show them who you are, get them to like you. And once they like you, then you can be as high as you need to be. You can have a meltdown. They're going to like you. And then I always say for the second set, there's no bad second set. You know, there's only two ways to have a bad second set. One is that you go up there, you go, I was high the whole time or whatever. And the audience hates you. They paid for a specific show. And then you just go up there and insult them, which is very rare. But when people do it, I'm like, who, who are you trying to be cool for? You're not impressing me. You're not impressing the other comics. You're not impressing the audience who paid to be here for you. Who are you trying to like rebel against? But neither here nor there. Uh, but the other way people can have a bad set is when they should go up and just don't address it and just like try to push through it. I'm like, you don't have to sit up there, even if you're not that high or if you're too high or whatever, you don't have to sit up there and go like, oh, I'm so high. But like, it, like, I'll give you a perfect example. We had a show in Seattle, Washington. This would have been like 2017. And we had uh, Aaron Lennox was on it. Um, Annika Sela, Rick Taylor. Um, and then Whitmer Thomas, they were all on the show and they all got completely ruined. And the headliner or the closing comic of the show was Billy Wayne Davis, amazing comic, but he smokes a lot. And he just went up there after everybody were, ha they were having like giggling fall down on the ground, level high sets. He went up there and just walked on stage. And the first thing he said, he goes, I don't fucking get it. I feel fine. And then he did his jokes. And even that would be fine. But if you just go up there and don't address it, you don't do anything, the audience is waiting for that ball to drop. It's the, um, the bomb under the table, the Hitchcock bomb under the table. They see the bomb. Is it going to go off? So you showed me a bomb under the table and then nothing happened? It's just sort of you at least have to address it. Even if there's nothing to address, address that there's nothing to address. Yeah, because I've done thousands of shows. Thousands. And honestly, the Gateway show... I didn't even have to look down on my notes. You can watch the video. I, like, honestly, dude, it's really one of the funnest shows to do. It's always packed. It's always a good time. You always fucking make sure that the comics are taken care of. And it's just like, you really go out of your way to make sure. Like, and also, here's the thing I, I learned about Billy. And I don't know, like, you know, it's like people are like, oh, this might be a little taboo. But listen, Billy was one of the first people that showed me in stand-up comedy. Hey, listen. You got to spend money to make money. You really got to invest in yourself. You really got to invest in your show. And you really got to fucking do everything that, that's in your power to make you stand out. So it really, and it wasn't just like, oh, you know, Billy's fucking, I'm, I'm on this. It was like, damn, I really got this brotherly advice that I was like, holy shit, I'm so privy to. And it's just like, dude, like, how important is it for, comedians to produce shows in this day and age especially considering 
an article that you shared recently with the, I don't know, disparaging earnings of comedians at comedy clubs, opening comedy clubs, featuring comedy clubs. Like you cannot make a living off of this. So what can local comedians, what can comedians who are not famous do right now in order to stand out or survive? Well, that's uh, quite a few questions. I'll, I'll say this. The, uh, <laughs> You're uh, right, I'm sorry. The, uh, the article Overloaded. that I shared, I, I saw on a comedian named Chris Cope had shared it, who's very funny, and he tours. And, you know, Chris Cope is at a level beyond me, but at a, a similar sort of problem he has to consider is that we are not famous. We are not names. I don't have... 200,000 followers on Instagram. I don't have a, a TV credit or anything. So I have to get my fans, you know, video by video, show by show, right? Which is how most people have to do it. I mean, the idea that like, would we really want a comedy world where like every person who's working clubs had to do like a season of ridiculousness on MB, on, on MTV or something, you know, <laughs> or that we all had to be TikTok stars or that we all had to be YouTube famous. Like there's got to, like, I always try to compare comedy to music, right? There are people that are like flash in the pan, one hit wonders. There are people that are unique generational talents. There's familial talents where you're like, well, your family came from music, you'll do it. And then there are people that are just out there being independent artists, you know? And there's way more independent artists than there are any of those other things. And I'm not saying that as an independent artist, I want to take away from the people who've been TikTok famous, that I wanna take away from the people that have television credits and wanna do stand up. They're allowed to do it. If they have an audience, they're allowed to go out there and find that audience and do what they do. And if they're funny, it's funny. And if the club bookers book them and they're not funny, then that speaks to the club, not to the person. Everybody's allowed to go out there and do their art, right? Even We even let George W. Bush do paintings or whatever, right? We let <laughs> artists, I don't care what your background is, you're allowed to do art, right? What I What I don't get is when we try to act like those things don't exist, right? Like, Oh, you're telling me that Jeremy Piven got a headlining gig because he's an amazing comic who's put in the work? No, he got it because he's a celebrity, right? And that's okay. There's a different place for that. But as a non-celebrity, you have to be realistic with yourself and go, what is drawing people to come see me? Do I have a hook? I'll, I'll give you a great example. The well-read comedy crew, which is like Trey Crowder. Are you familiar with them, Victor? I'm actually not. Who uh, else was part of the? They did. Trip. They did. Uh, I'm sure. I, I can't tell you the history. I don't know the history of it. But they're uh, three stand-up comics, and they did. Uh, it's like Southern comedy. So they were doing red states, but they were doing like Southern comedy their own way. It wasn't like a, com a Southern comedians of comedy, Larry the Cable Guy thing. They just found a hook, and they said, "I believe there are people in red states." that want like a Southern perspective that don't necessarily want Larry the Cable Guy, right? And yeah. they put out sketches and they did it from that angle and they developed a fan base because they said, what do I have that other people don't have? And I think long-winded story, a little shorter, is that that's what you should ask yourself. First and foremost, become a funny comic. Secondly, what do I have that's unique? Or if I don't have something that's unique, what can I cultivate that's unique? And what I'm trying to do with Gateway Show, for example, because it's the best thing I can speak to, is I, I say when I go on stage, a lot of people think because I run it, I'm going to be some sort of like tie-dye shirt wearing, hashtag 420, one dreadlock out of the side of my head kind of a dude. 
and I'm not that, but I still smoke pot. And most people that smoke pot aren't that, but that's the stereotype. So how can we reach people who are fans of pot, but not people who use weed as a personality trait, right? And that's what we try to create the show for in every way. So, uh, so I think do, do, do every, does every comic need to produce a show? Well, not Taylor Tomlinson, you know, for example, like there are amazing comics out there that are getting picked up because their voice is already enough. And if yours isn't, what are you going to do? Wait around and cross your fingers and hope they come find you. Or are you going to go and try to put on a show and fail and learn something from your failure and pick it up again. Cause if you're sitting around waiting for somebody to come drag you out of the muck of stand-up comedy for most of us, that's never going to happen. And that's the thing about Billy, Billy, like, honestly is like always like, I don't know how old you are. I think you're younger than me, but you're still my big brother because like you have like this experience is that's experience and not to undermine Billy because Billy is a headliner. Billy doesn't just have this fucking successful show billy is a headliner he headlines across the country he has a dry bar comedy special for those of you that don't know dry bar comedy is notorious for being clean so billy can billy's a clean comic billy does a show that is cannabis based but he's a fucking he's a real comic because he can be clean he can be dirty he could um do he could read a room and do whichever room um, you know, whatever is possible, uh, whatever it needs to do for to accomplish the job. And that's what I love about Billy. And it's funny because like Billy's all like, oh yeah, well, you've only seen me host. I was like, Billy, I've seen your special. Like, and the, here's the thing about Billy that like, here's a takeaway too. Billy responds to people who comment on his special on Drive. He put from his personal account. And I'm like, okay, the number one rule of show business is do not look at the comments for any video of you out there. And here's Billy just responding to people who have positive things to say and negative things to say. And it's so, I'm like, I'm like, Billy, where the fuck do you get the time to respond to all these people? Well, first of all, every, I have to take a shit sometime. So, I mean, I'm allowed to take a shit and sit there. I had a friend tell me that. I got Pete Garcia, a good friend of mine, very funny comic. Uh, look him up on TikTok. He, did, he does really great on TikTok. Uh, or coming to a college near you. But uh, Pete's great. But he asked me, he's like, why couldn't you be writing during that time? I was like, first of all, I find it funny. I'm allowed to have hobbies. I'm allowed to sit there and somebody, somebody called me a dwarf yesterday. A fucking dwarf. <laughs> They said, I don't think he's funny, and he looks like a dwarf. That's so funny. My, if you go to BillyAnderson.com, other people put, like, um, they put, like, quotes from, like, oh, you know, Chris Rock said I was a f- the fastest rising star in comedy. My quote is, why are his hands so tiny, says every YouTube comment. I think it's hilarious. And nobody, I typically what I like to do is I like to go on to the ones where they talk trash and just agree with them because it's so, because then they realize they're talking trash about a real human being who saw it and they buckle almost always they buckle. And that to me, I think that's very funny. Hysterical. I, dude, I'm not even taking a shit. I'm watching your, I mean, I'm like, Billy Anderson just commented on this dry bar comedy. Spe- and I'm like, wait, 
That's a video of Billy. Oh, Billy. Billy's commenting on his own video. Wait, hold on. What's Billy saying? And it's <laughs> and it's just not just one comment. There's like hundreds, hundreds of comments. And I'm like, who liked this? Or who sad faced this? Or who hearted this? And it's just like there's like people, and then there's it's, it's Billy. Like you respond to everything, and I I like legitimately, I'm like, okay, listen, this is fucking like wow like I, I i'm impressed by your ability to also like you have a sense of humor about how trolls are online so what's your best advice for people dealing with trolls online because you just said agree with them you know and let them know that you're a human being just to humanize them so well, they allow, that- allow me to allow me to pull out my straight white male liberal uh <laughs> agenda here and I'll say that it's a little easier with me because they're not going to uh, directly attack who I am as a person nearly as much as they do like women or gay people or whoever. So it's a little less personal when there's like, why has he got tiny hands? And I always respond. I go, the palms are normal size. It's the fingers that are tiny and they don't know how to respond to that. Right. So nobody's just nobody's attacking who I am personally. So my advice can only go so far. But I do think that most people are sitting in their house. They don't leave their house, especially after COVID in the last few years. They don't leave their house. They think this is and like, let me let me pause for a second. And Victor, I, I've, I've said this to a few people is that like I used to watch like premium blend and Comedy Central presents and all these things. And I assumed all of them were like super rich, famous millionaires. I didn't know they're just some schmuck like you and me. Right. Did you ever, <laughs> you ever watch those? Yeah, I didn't know that either. So I, I was, I started performing and rubbing elbows with people. I'm like, oh shit, you've been on Comedy Central. Little did I know, they're embarrassed of that performance because guess what? I didn't know this when I approached them. It was only a four minute set that they appeared on Comedy Central. But it, but in fact, it was a thirty minute recording, and only four minutes showed up, and they fucking added him to a showcase. And he was embarrassed by it because he was so fucked up. He was so drunk that he didn't have that great of a set that they only fucking uh, showed four minutes of a 30-minute set. Like, how horrible does your fucking 30 minutes have to be that you're so fucked up and out of it? And I'm not talking shit. I'm not naming names. I'm just saying. Like, this one dude, I was like, hey, dude, I know you're from Comedy Central, bro. I saw your clip, you know, when I first started comedy. And I was like, damn, I can't believe I'm on a show with this guy who's been, and then it's like, He's embarrassed by it because, like, and then I found out through the grapevine, it's just like, this is the backstory on it. Actually, he recorded 30 minutes, and that was supposed to be a 30-minute special, but then he got added to uh, a showcase as opposed to having his 30-minute special. So way to go, Victor. You just brought up, like, the worst fucking period of his career, right, when you first met him. You're like, remember that that thing you're super embarrassed about? You just mentioned all these schmucks on Premium Blend, being no. uh, big dudes like you and me who are funny but we're not household names no I, and, it, and here's the thing like it, it, it's just like but what you learn as you go through the stages of stand-up comedy like i can't watch a stand-up comedy special like i could before i was a, a comedian a practicing comedian you know because i've been a comedian oh, yeah. my whole life that's bullshit you haven't been a comedian until you got on stage but before that moment like, you know, like, I really, like, I don't know, like, everything's changed since I've gotten on stage. I can't watch a special the same way. Like, hey, how many shows was this? Was this all in one take? 
really? really? This was all in one take. This was all in one take. This this brilliance was all in one take. Then I'm all like, oh. But then on the other hand, when I'm watching a shitty special, I'm like, yeah, this was definitely five shows. You could tell. <laughs> you could tell. Yeah, you see, I can see his makeup change. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> the light so is I, just slightly but, on. Like you could just. But people do that with dry bar too, right? So like most of the people that do dry bar aren't anybody. But if you're uh, if you're just on the internet, there's a video. It has two million views or whatever. Uh, you're in front of an audience. You somebody invested in an HD camera for you to a non-comedian to a, somebody who isn't necessarily an aficionado. You're every bit as famous as anybody else, right? And people from Drive, there are select people, not me, but there are other people from Dry Bar who are getting famous off of it. There's a guy Brad Upton is their number one comic, and he was already a great comedian with good credits under his belt, but it revitalized his career, you know. And so the reason why I bring this all up is these people are commenting. I'm not like responding like, fuck you, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I think it does, it does humanize it a bit when you're talking trash and somebody's personal profile is like, I, again, typically agreeing with them. I'll be like, oh yeah, I know. Right. He needs to go back to his day job as a male model or whatever. <laughs> um, it's just like, I don't know. I find it funny because I know that nine out of every 10 of those people immediately buckle and they're like, well, I didn't mean anything by it. I'm like, you said I had hands like a dwarf. What the fuck else could you have meant by that? <laughs> but that's fine. Cause I know like nobody's going to be worse than the voice in my head. So whatever, you know, <laughs> trash, that's trash all you want. This is how I know I'm on the right path because like, yeah, dude, that that's really, I, I don't know, but like honestly though, the way you deal with hecklers though, it's not just like a fucking go-to answer. It's very specific to each person that's offered, offered criticism. And what's funny is that I'm speaking to months ago when I called you out about it, and like I'm not watching your every move online. I see your moves and they're good, and I and I'm rooting for you. And I'm like, oh fuck yeah, this dude's gonna be a Tucson for the first time. And I don't know when this is going to air exactly because I'm putting them in chronological order. I'm releasing them every Tuesday. But my, my point being is that if you see the Gateway show, you got to go to it. Not because I might be on it. I'd love to be on every single fucking one of them because, dude, you literally go through. Dude, I want you to right now, and this was actually one of my questions, if you could, name every state where the fucking Gateway show has presented itself at. Because I know for sure California, Oregon, Washington, Nevada. Yeah. Colorado. And I don't know where else, but like, I I think we did one in Kansas. We've done Massachusetts. We've done New York. Um, Yeah, I don't know because we went on a big tour in 2017 and we went all over. I mean, it's really anywhere that has full recreational weed. We've been except for Maine. I don't think I've done Maine yet. I mean, I would like to do more. What about I mean, Vermont? Vermont, I, maybe. I think, I think I, they have lax weed laws, and I'm just going based on like all this like reputation on Vermont. Like they're cool. Like, well, they the problem go- with the Gateway Show financially, you know, and we were talking about that article and people getting paid properly was the article that Chris shared, right? Right. Uh, and a big part of that is uh, it's hard to like find a venue that will let us do the show and give us a fair wage. Cause I take all the risk when I do the gateway show, if I can get a sponsor that helps, but I take on all the risk, which means I got to rent the venue. I got to pay the comics. I got to pay for gas, hotels, flights, everything. Right. 
And those, and I can't like, if I, if I don't break even, if I break even on a show or if I lose money, I can't go to the comics and be like, ah, guys, turns out. (laughs) No matter, even if that happens to me sometimes, uh, very recently, actually, I'm not going to go into who, and I'm not going to shame because they're, I think they're just going through a hard time, but it happened to me recently where somebody just didn't make any money on a show and I got $40 out of the 300 I was owed. And I just told myself, like, oh, I just won't work for this person anymore. Right, right. I mean, or but, at least for a long time. But yeah, you know, <laughs> I'll just let them. I know they're dealing with with trouble in their life. They were doing a lot more yeah. money pre-pandemic, and now they're trying. Right. I get it. They got their bills to pay, and I'm I'm not on the street, so I'll just let it go. But I can't go to the comics and go, yeah, guys. I know you came out here and you did a great job. And sometimes even like, hey, we had. I know we had like a sold out show even. And I know we didn't make any money, um, but you're not getting paid. Good luck. See you later, loser. I can't do that. Uh, (laughs) And a big way we make money off the show after paying the comics what they deserve, after producing the show properly, is through sponsors. So even places that have decriminalized weed, it can be hard to go and make enough money to make it worth it if I'm not already in the area. Uh, Because then if they just because they're decriminalized doesn't mean they have like the economy they won't have anybody that can sponsor it because nobody's you know out in the open about it so if i'm already in the area like i was in wichita i was doing the looney bins and there was a place where it was like kind of decriminalized or i think medical only like i'll do one there if i'm headlining i'll do one but if i'm going to go to an area rent a theater 200 300 seats it's a big risk and uh so i won't go places that don't already have like sort of a a comedy economy uh for weed and sponsorship and things like that and that's very smart. I mean, but, but also though, too, like I, I've also been in Billy's presence where it was just like, hey, this show's about to be sold out. I'm going to just throw down a little bit more money right now to sponsor the right now. Motherfuckers that have not gotten a notification from social media will right now because I'm going to fucking throw down more money. And that's the thing. Billy, you've taught me the importance of investing in myself, investing in my show, investing in my product, investing in anything that I pursue because it has to have value. If it doesn't have value, and you are a big proponent. There's only one show I could think of where you're wrong, but you're right 100% of the time, except for one incident. Um, free shows are bad for fucking stand-up. And you say, you're saying free shows are bad for stand-up. Mm, well, I, I had that impression that like God, you you're encouraging anybody who produces shows. Listen, you, even if it's five bucks, have a cover charge so your comedy show has worth. That is, I think five. I think we agree. I think we agree more than you think, but we disagree on the specifics. Is what okay. I think. How about if misquoted? That, that, no, no. But so so I think that <laughs> I think you can have a free show but you need to at least attempt to charge like a VIP ticket. So if you have a free show, meaning you're just letting anybody in, which uh, in LA can be a hard, it can be hard to get people out to stand up in LA if they're going to pay when there's a chance, well, I could pay $10 and go to the comedy store and maybe see Dave Chappelle. I'm going to see you and Fuckface McGee for $20. I don't think so. Right. Right. So it can be hard. Now, granted, we do like we do half, of the ticket cost in LA because again, it's harder to get people out. Right. But on the flip side, we don't do free. I used to do free when we had 170 seat venue to fill. And then we would do $20 reserve seating at tables and we do $30 VIP seating. And 
we would make good money off that because there are people that the cost of the ticket is not the determining factor. They want to have a good night paying for a babysitter or having my one night off work. That's really where the cost comes from. And I'll give you an example of a free show that went from free to ticketed because of this method was Jetpack at Bar Lubitsch in West Hollywood. Jetpack and Bar Lubitsch was free. And they had a pretty packed audience, uh, not always, but normally. And then they went and they did like a free ticket and a VIP ticket. And then their VIP tickets started selling out so quickly that they then just went, all right, well, let's also charge for general admission. And then they started selling those out. And then because people have an investment in the show, they like the show better. But so my thing is, if you're going to do a free show, you at least have to try, put the ticket up there. If nobody buys it, guess what, baby? You made the same amount of money. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think putting a dollar amount on a comedy show to get in, to be allowed to witness the comedy show, experience the comedy show, is super important. And that was like something I really learned from you in addition. To, like, because honestly, if you don't give your show value, who the fuck's going to give your show value? Same thing with yourself as a stand-up comedian. If you don't value yourself or you don't think what you're doing on stage is funny, and guess what? The audience is, ain't going to think it's funny neither because you ain't got the fucking, you know, uh, confidence to believe in your own jokes, your own stories, your own experience, whatever you're going to try to say on stage, your own song, your own dance. I see motherfuckers tap dance on stage and I'm just like, whatever you got to do, if that's how you think it's going to get last, then, you know, do your thing, baby. Or in the words of black people, you, you did your thing, baby. I, I cut my teeth in a free room, Jai Tai on Broadway, Thai restaurant, back room, 80 seats, probably closer to 60 seats, but 80 spots for people to be. Mm. And we got uh, like 15% of the bar is what we got. So we got money for doing it. And what I, what I did when I took over Saturdays there, they didn't have Saturdays. They were doing Tuesdays and Fridays. Tuesdays were always open mics. Fridays, every other show was a showcase. Every other show was an open mic typically packed, right? And again, we made money on the bar. And if we had charged even $5, which I, I will throw my hat on the ground and say, if you have a $5 show, just make it $10. Oh my God. <laughs> Nobody is looking at it going, fucking Billy. I fucking love you, I'd go if it were five. No, you don't want that person in your room. And if you do the $10, then if you have regulars that were there when it was five, give them a code to use or something. If you're worried about them feeling like they're bait and switched, do the $10. I'll, I'll, well, I will eat my hat if it affects you one way or the other. Don't be a coward. Either make it free or make it $10. But uh, <laughs> I was, the, I yeah. was the first person at Jai Tai to start charging a, a ticket, which was I did for Gateway Show when we yeah. started to do it. And again, I started at fucking $10, neither here nor there. But uh, we did that. <laughs> and then, it didn't affect our audience because the people that liked it after we developed it and got the word out, they were willing to pay for it. And then the people that, that didn't even know it was there, the fact that it was $10 made people more likely to believe it was good. So, yeah, but those shows are good. They're great. And it's like mm -hmm. unique. And it's not, like I said, a traditional stand-up comedy show and like every time i've done it it's fun and it's funny as fuck because like sometimes people ask me it's like what's your like like it's always like what's your greatest accomplishment who have you worked with what are you who, what are your funnest shows and it's just like all three of those questions have three different answers 
And no. honestly, to be honest with you, man, like, dude, one of the funnest shows to do is the Gateway Comedy Show because the people who come out are ready for comedy. They're ready for stoner comedy. They're ready for fucking, they're, they're, they're down. They're down. And like, that's the, like, that's, that's like, if you could sell somebody with idea of a comedy show, you, you already won. And you well, just I think that our, our audience is nice because anybody that would be open-minded enough to come to a show as dumb as the gateway show is, <laughs> is going to have a good sense of humor. If you're too serious or too up your own ass, you're not going to go to the show where stand-up comedy comedians tell jokes sober and then get high and tell more jokes. You're, you're going to go, Hey, what, what low brow material it must be. <laughs> you know what's funny as fuck is that I, I talked to you before and I was just talking to you about like a certain venue and you're just like I don't want my audience there and I, it was hilarious because like the way you were so confident about like I just described this venue you know it was offered to you not by me and it was just like one of those things where I was just like hey listen this is what it is and then you're just like fuck that and it's just like you almost got like 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 suckered into that based on like what well, would have been a great deal and it probably was a great deal because guess what you would have done 100 of the legwork but you know i'm not trying to expose anybody i'm not trying to bring any any negative feelings i'm just saying look when it comes to your show i'm actually protective of it even though i have no like other than like performing on it like you know what i mean like i think like that's one of those shows that like like and i've heard you talking about like getting this like on television because honestly this show is so fucking or at least on netflix and i'm making it sound just netflix but i mean like or hbo max or showtime or some premium or even i probably god damn hgtv i don't care i'll I'll make a pilot whoever buys it you know Uh, yeah 100 percent. i i really I, i think that if you were to make like one of these like promo videos like you know with like people who are like super funny and super like sober super stoned and it's just like dude you can pitch it like as is with all the footage that you have because billy has like a a humongous collection of all of the shows or a lot of the shows or most of the shows that he's produced where it's it's recorded and like even right now like i have on my computer a show that i did like from months ago and it was like one of those times where it was like Billy saved my ass. It was like like I was really broke and really like, oh fuck, I'm not doing shit this Friday. What the fuck is wrong with me? And Billy hits me up out of the blue. He's like, hey, what are you doing this Friday? And I'm like, I'm not doing shit. And I'm like, he's like, hey, you want to go to Santa Rosa? I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to go to Santa Rosa to do a show. Hell yeah. And, and then not only that, we had a great conversation on the way up. And guess what? We had a great conversation on the way back. But the only thing, and I'll tell you the truth, the only thing that, that, that was rough about that was like, you couldn't even sneak a fucking toke of weed in front of Billy if you're going to do a show. <laughs> the day of his show, I'm like, Billy, if I, take a, if I take a toke right now, I will be sober by the time my show starts. This is Billy. Well, you know what, dude? That, 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 that first smoke that you take after not smoking is like actually like really significant. So you really need to just wait for the show. You really need to abstain for the show. And that's what I expect. from Is that, is that what I said? Cause I usually try to be like, if you feel like, if you feel like our show isn't worth it, if you feel like you want to lie to those people. No, you didn't give me that spiel. And I think it's because maybe I I knew you needed to hear it. No, no, I needed to hear the truth, truth from, from Billy to fucking not just have the, the best show 
have the most authentic show and to have just like really because like when it comes to stand up it's it's better to be authentic than it is to be funny because if you're authentic you're going to be fucking funny but if you think you're funny you're just trying to be funny that doesn't always work but being authentic does work and with stoners especially with the stoner crowds like with this crowd but like it's not just that because like i do regular jokes that i do like at comedy clubs that i do at bar shows that i do at outside shows that i do like um at theaters that i do at other places so i'm not just trying to say oh yeah just a billy show you do this no it's a fucking state what's funny as fuck it's like i've done your show at a brewery independent comedy uh a venue in uh los angeles uh i did it at a cannabis club in san francisco with you and i know you've done it at uh, a cannabis church in colorado you've done it at all these other places but like my point being is that these shows i'm able to display uh my regular routine that i do normally when i'm sober and then when i'm high and like the crowd is cool and what's funny as fuck though at sometimes billy i was like standing in front during intermission with the audience and billy was like no 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 come over here and hang out in the back with the comments don't no 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 and i was just like i did not know i was fucking up i'm so sorry you're like no, it's no, not i mean it's not about fucking okay. it up that's something I've been working on lately is trying to um, <laughs> be authentic on stage and I'll, and I'll, I'll go out and I'll smoke with them during the intermission. Cause that's part of the show, but like making yourself a little less available before you like get your grand reveal on stage. It can be nice. It ruins the magic, but it's so lame to say, Hey, you don't want to ruin the magic. And it's just like, okay. Okay, stop. Okay, Bob Newhart. Okay, I don't want to ruin the magic right now. You know, old school, yeah. classic. But but to be honest with you, though, like this show is so unique and so, I don't know. Like like honestly, like the fact that like like dude, if they have these cooking shows with weed, why don't they have these weed comedy shows? Why isn't you know it's fucked up? You'll pitch it, you'll sell. They'll be like, yeah, but we want Snoop Dogg to host it. We don't want Billy Anderson. And then Billy I mean, Anderson. Has how, to... how much money are they giving me? You know, <laughs> Billy. I think we. Yeah. I think uh, you. I, I'm all like we. Billy over here needs to come up with a proposal for Netflix. Well, I'm working on. I'm. I'm working on a pilot. We're filming Good. in August. Oh, so, nice. nice. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna try that in August in Colorado, and we'll see. You know, they really like depends. Reality showish type. Of... Behind the scenes. My idea for it is like I don't insomniac. want to reveal too much. Oh, 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 I just heard the magic word. Yes. In, insomniac with Dave Attell meets weed, but more stand-up focused, you know? So I want them yes. to like go and experience what a what an area has to do. But you know, it's kind of like what we do. Like when we were in uh Colorado with the comics Brilliant. last time, it was Jordan Sermonara, who you know. Uh, Jen Snyder, who's a comic from Colorado, and then Mike Glazer, who's a wonderful comic, who's just listed as one of uh, the 100 most influential people in weed by High Times Magazine. Nice. And uh, so we had him close it out. But we had all them, but we also like went to Garden of the Gods. So they did, we did Fort Collins, Colorado Springs, Colorado, and Denver, Colorado, right? But then we also went to like Garden of the Gods, the, uh, you know, and went and checked out the rocks out there. And like we went and we played this thing called Whirly Ball, which was like uh, bumper cars mixed with like a weird lacrosse or something. We, we did all that stuff. Right. So it was fun. We like went and had fun during the day. 
and then did comedy at night. And I wish we'd had like a film crew with us the whole time. It was a great time. So that's what I would love to try to bring to the show is like showcase the comedians being themselves sober, showcase their comedy, showcase getting them high. Maybe they're getting high talking about what we're doing. I don't know. We'll, we'll hopefully figure it out. But yeah, in August, we're filming. That. I'm just like, I kind of like, like, this is like one of those podcasts where I'm just like, you know what? We should edit that part out. So Maslow's is going to steal your idea. But like, <laughs> no, I mean, it's so organic and it's so like real and it's so fun. It's funny because like, I'm so natural around Billy that like, I really like, like, I'm like, hey, look, this is a no judgment zone. And like, I know when I tell Billy something like he's going to help me. Or he's going to tell me, hey, you know what? I think this is the way you should do it. But Billy, you're always positive and you always have a good attitude. And I'm wondering as a stand-up comedian where stand-up comedians have traditionally had a bad rap for having, you know, demons and having uh, chemical imbalances and just having problems. You maybe even uh, maintaining a regular job and other problems like you're really good at stand-up. You're funny. You're great at producing shows. Like you have great results. Those are two different things. Um, but even then, like because I can, like, dude, like you have the excitement. Like even just as a stand-up, you do stand-up comedy. It's so great. It's so awesome. Then you go back to your hotel room, or you go back to the car, and then it's just like, do you have any advice for keeping your morale high? Because like at least. I feel that your morale is high and you're very optimistic and you're very positive and, and, and like very, very like, like you have this like type of like charisma that really like it inspires me. I'm, I'm your friend. And like, I'm just like, whoa, I want to be more like my friend Billy because Billy, he's so fucking successful in what he does. And then in your eyes, you're just like, hey, I'm still thinking bigger. And in my mind, I'm like, that's my heroes. My heroes should never be happy with where they're at. They should always want to be even further where they're at and it's just like you know the sky's the limit and so i'm just wondering how do you keep your morale so high i think like like pragmatic nihilism helps like you know you just look at it and you go like we're all gonna die none of it actually matters you know like like i have a phrase and like i, I it always catches people off guard but i really mean it where somebody will be like should i do it i'm like worst it can be is horrible right? Like, will you die? Probably not. At least you're living your life. Is there some benefit that could cover worse? It can be as horrible and then you won't do it again. So, you know, whatever, right? Like I, I've, I came from, from poverty. I was, you know, food stamp poor when I was younger. I, and I, and I'll often say that when I make a big decision, I'll roll those dice and be like, you know what? I've been poor before and I'll be poor again. Fuck it. You know? Uh, I think that we aren't promised anything in art and this is art, whether or not our art is us going up on stage and talking about farting or whatever, we're crafting a story. We're expecting some version of, uh, emotional response from a person. We're changing little bits of it day by day and crafting and editing our work. We're artists. And there isn't a place in this country where I've ever felt like art was guaranteed, you know? Uh, guaranteed a home, guaranteed a paycheck, guaranteed anything, right? It doesn't mean we shouldn't demand that when we're when our art is generating money and that there's money being generated. Like, don't be an orphan about it. But 
on the same sense, like you're already taking a risk pursuing this any way other than a hobby. So if you're going to sit around and, and, and get right up to the cliff face and then stop jumping, that's going to make you fall down the cliff. Just jump. You were fucked the moment you started running towards the cliff. Don't be a chicken now. And I think that's me and stand up is, yeah, maybe it won't work out. I don't know, but fuck it. I I've been poor. I could be poor again. Billy, Jesus fucking Christ. I have to use Laura's name in pain right now because I am beyond words. And I, I like, dude, that type, listen, that like uh, when you're a stand-up comic, when you go on stage, you're vulnerable. You don't know what the fuck you're going to do. That's worked every single time. It's going to work right then and there. So for you to say, hey, you know what? I've been poor. I could be poor again. I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to fucking invest. He's like, literally, I've been to the car with Billy where Billy's like, hey, I'm going to invest a significant amount of money right now. <laughs> this is to make sure the show sells out. And if the show sells out, everyone gets a bonus. And I'm like, I wanted the show to sell out before the bonus. So let me get the fucking bonus and let the show sell out. But I didn't realize because, of course, we're just like, oh, it's such a cool show. Everyone just comes to it because everyone's attracted. No, no, no. Billy doesn't invest a fucking fortune and fucking, you know, um, promotions and publications. And it's just like, you know, people need to hear this shit because, like, look, it isn't a free fucking ride. It isn't. And also, for the record, Billy pays per minute way more than any fucking stand-up comedy club as a feature or as a fucking host. So, for that being said, like, Billy is doing good for stand-up comedy. Billy really comes through for his fellow comedians. That's admirable. And it's just like, that's really awesome because like, to be honest with you, man, like there's this like venues where it's just like, I don't even know this many people would be coming through here to celebrate cannabis. And you're here not just celebrating cannabis, but like really being empowered by cannabis and just like, really, like, dude. And then like, also though, too, like even talking in the car, like you motivated me to like, even want to start a Spanish show. You're like, Hey dude, like if you wanted to start a comedy show at third wheel in, in East Hollywood. And I'm like, those are kind of big words, dog. Those are kind of like, you don't even speak Spanish, Billy. Guillermo, if you're Mexican. I'd but never I, be able to do that show. I can't say, I don't, I don't I, speak I, or understand I, Spanish, <laughs> but so it's, yeah. I mean, but realistically I could pay, I could pay every comic 50 bucks a show and they would do it. I think maybe not all the comics, but I could pay 50 bucks a show. I think people would do it. You're only doing 15 to 20 minutes. That's not even a feature rate. I don't, I pay better than that, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's the sad fact is that, I could probably pay nothing and still get enough comics to do the show because we're we're I always say comics are just fucking orphans. We're so used to getting nothing and and being and being told to be happy about it that I just try to like pay people something where if, if you were to if I were to get it audited and my audit spilled on the ground and every comic got a chance to pick up all my paperwork and see what I was making and see what I was paying, would they be upset with me or not? But also and, that's, that's above and beyond what a producer does because you're a stand-up comedian first. And even though you're a fucking bomb-ass producer, you're a bomb-ass comedian too. And so, like, you're, yeah. you're, you're the top notch and, like, I'm not sucking your dick even though I'm sucking your dick. But, like, I really, like, dude, enjoy, like, watching you host. And it was funny as fuck because one time I was high as shit and I just wanted... And I was, like, the first comic back after the break. It was Sacramento right before the lockdown. And I don't know. I think you knew it in your heart. You're like, hey, baby. 
this is gonna, this might be our last show. And like, <laughs> you were supposed to do 10 minutes and you did like 30. And I'm like, every time where it's like, you got this huge laugh and I'm gonna be like, all right, your next time are coming through. And I was like waiting 30 minutes. And like, it wasn't 30, it was like 25. It really was 25 though. <laughs> It was like one of those times you're like, I, but but also it was your show. I was like, what? what the well, fuck I um, well, but I, no, I, you were I, hilarious. I, produced, I, was like, oh, okay. I don't, you. I don't take it personally. I'll, I'll talk about that. I think that's fine. Uh, I've produced other shows. Uh, I produced a couple <laughs> of successful shows in Seattle when I was there. Right. Um, none of them did I put my name on. None of them was with Billy Anderson. Not a single one. Uh, this is me headlining. This is how I view this show. This show is me starting it up, me riffing in between, me get doing the text game where we have them text in something and we riff with them. Like it's my show. That's and fun. And the reality is, I can I could bring in three different comics and still have a successful show. But if I'm not headlining it, it's not the same. If I'm not hosting it, it's not the same show, right? It might still make money, but it's not the same show. So that's how I kind of look at it, where I'm unapologetically like, if I want to do extra time, I will. Now, on the yeah, flip absolutely. side of that, I've the show succeeds or fails with me, too, where if I'm having an off night and I suck, oh, boy, do I walk home feeling like shit. Uh, and something you haven't seen that you'll see when we do our show in a few weeks is what I've been doing now to kind of try to balance that out a little better uh, is that I will do my hosting set, right? Then I'll bring up the comics. Then I take an intermission. And previously, we do the text game where we give out prizes based on what they say. We give that out right after the intermission. Now I'm doing it at the end and letting the comics that want to come up on stage with me and riff with me, which allows them this big, great thing at the end of the show where, uh, where all the comics can come back up high and like be silly together. So I'm really That's excited cool. about trying to balance it out. This is what I love about Billy because, dude, you've been doing the show for how many years? Eight years. And you have been inventive the whole entire time, trying new stuff out, taking chances, rearranging even the order of when you do things. And like, and I wasn't calling you out about it, but it was just more one of those things where I was just like really high and I was just all like, and I was like scared. I was just like, oh man, I gotta go to the bathroom. But like, I don't know if he's gonna like get off right now, type of thing. It was like more fact guy type of thing than a comic type of thing. And like, that's another thing I want to talk to Billy about. I mean, I want to talk to Billy about in front uh, for the podcast. Like, Billy has given me a lot of inspiration to lose weight. Billy actually used to be really chubby. Billy's actually like an Adonis. I never thought he was chubby or overweight ever. I just thought he had a great personality. And so apparently he had, to, he's gotten this great personality because he used to be overweight and he's telling me like, bro, people teach you differently when you lose weight. And like, I've known this, but like when you told me, it like spoke to me personally because like, you know, a lot of the times when people tell you that they have an agenda and like, you didn't have an agenda. You were just like legit, like, Hey dude, it's really fucked up. And people do treat you differently. It was a mind fuck. I lost. Uh, so I was, uh, I was uh, at my heaviest. 115 pounds heavier than I am now. I was almost 300 pounds in my heaviest. And I did stand up when I was heavier, which is a lot of people lose weight. Uh, it's, it's, there's not as many people that have done it during stand up because it's also hard to lose weight when you're a stand up comedian. You're on the road, you're eating garbage food. A part of what we get paid for in our meager wages is like, here's some of the worst club bar food you'll ever have in your <laughs> life. 3,000 calorie pretzels for you, sir. And so, uh, but I lost, I lost the weight because I filmed a show called Laughs on Fox for 
Steve Hofstetter, the first season he did of that. And he sent me the video of it and it was three angles. And I saw all three angles. I was like, God, you're fat at every angle. There's not a good angle on you right now. Like you don't have a good angle. You're just chubby and weird looking at every angle. And they didn't go with me and they didn't go with me because it wasn't a great set. But also I felt like I looked sloppy and didn't wear the weight well. So I was like, I'm going to lose it. And so I lost the weight relatively quickly. I did a keto diet and, uh, and I was doing the same material and getting different reactions based off of losing a non insignificant amount of weight. So I already knew people were judging me based on my weight, but it was wild to see like in stand up how it made people react differently to my material. Dude, that is a mind fuck for me right now because it's just like, hey, because like I've noticed this, I'm not going to say which comedy clubs, but certain comedy clubs in the Bay Area that have a um, prestigious comedy showcase once a week uh, where comedians get to go up and not get paid unless they're the host. And um, it's kind of like a open audition so to speak, or to see if you're good enough for an audition. And it's just like, I, I, I don't know, man. Like compared, I don't know, dude, like you, you can't really compare what you put out to like even the best local show, so to speak, because like- well, I How really, does that factor into the weight, weight loss thing? I'm sorry, I don't think I lost- I'm sorry, I, I'm like, I'm sorry. People judge you based on what you look like. And I guess I was triggered to bring, bring up that like, I feel that sometimes like, I'm at like, okay, so at, at this venue, um, and you're right, <laughs> thank you for fucking like <laughs> corralling me back, but like, um, I've noticed that like at certain venues that I go to, most a lot of venues, all the venues, it's just like people treat me differently because I'm overweight and I, I really get treated differently. And I don't know, I get railroaded like all oh, this guys, so he's just gonna do fat jokes the whole time. And like, I don't do fat jokes all the time. I will talk about me being fat. I'll bring it up. But, you know, it's not like I'm one of these, like, Mexican comics that talked about being Mexican the whole time, bro. You know, it's fucked up going up being Mexican. You know, when your mom, like, she's coming at you and she fucking beats you up with her chancla, bro. Yeah, dude, then, get... it's, well, listen, if you're going to bring up my old act, if you could please. <laughs> um... <laughs> Billy, yeah, the old set, Guillermo Anderson. Um, yeah, Billy Anderson. Uh... No, 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 because Billy is... William and William and Spanish, Yermo. Yermo. Uh, Yermo. 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 Yeah, and nobody, nobody believed it. I really had to, had to change it. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I, I think it's, I call it fat first fat. Is some, at some point you become big enough that it's the first thing people are ever going to think about you. Is they're going to go, oh, it's a fat guy, not a dude who's fat. Or oh, that guy's a little heavier. That's a fat guy. That's a fat girl. You're fat first fat. And, uh, and yeah, you sit there and you go, well, I don't want my whole act to be about how fat I am, but there's some part of the audience, some non insignificant amount of the part that's like, when's this fat piece of shit going to bring it up? Uh, we're all thinking it right. And <laughs> I, I, I speak meanly, but I'm telling you, it's, 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 I'm not true. even I'm happy because it's true. I'm dying. I'm sorry. Okay. Please talk more about the audience judging fat, fat comedians. But I'm, yeah. And so, and, and people just, we, we have, we're an entire country of fat phobic people. Uh, so there, there's a non insignificant amount of people that just don't like you for it, that it's, it's literally, 
uh, a hardcore bias. And it's in, and people go, Oh, is it so hard? Like, what do people make fun of you as a guy? I was like, I don't get like, I, when I was heavier, it's not like people would point on the street and be like fat, but like you'd hear like, I'm sure you've been called big guy before. Oh my God. Oh, I want to strangle every person that called me big guy. <laughs> dude that is so fucked up because i saw a pic okay listen billy told me that he was fat in a car ride and billy you know wasn't like oh i'm gonna send you that picture right he was you know you we were in a car we we're in a conversation it was like no so i get this picture like a couple of days later after blue and i'm like who the fuck is this fat fuck someone's like billy oh fuck this is billy billy you used to be a fat oh shit because like sometimes people exaggerate about how fucking how hard life used to be and like billy's like no no i used to be on the heavier side bro i like over 100 pounds i'm like you don't have any stretch marks you know i don't believe it maybe you oh, do. i absolutely have stretch marks uh, I, have, I have loose skin still uh but yeah it's i mean but it, it was hard dating you know i I've, I've talked i've talked with a few people recently about this that the hard part of dating is you do this like it's online dating. Uh, I'm old <laughs> enough that like I was still doing online dating and stuff when I was heavier and I would put pictures of me being a little heavier and you don't want to just, you know, you don't want to like put yourself at a profile picture and on a scale and be like, no, I'm literally this weight. Please don't assume I'm not, you know, because some people don't care and I'm looking for those people. Right. Right, dude. And, that's beautiful. Yeah. And you'd go like, hey, girl, I just want to let you know before we meet, I'm a little bigger. And, and then the one that would always worry me, they go, no, you're not. And I'm like, that is not the right answer. Actually, yes, I am quite a big man. Uh, but <laughs> the worst part is you go on these dates and these women who've been so sweet to you through social. I'm, and I'm like, I try, I, you know, I try to be like charming and stuff through date, online dating. That's what you're supposed to do. And you're having totally. these great back and forths and you think you're making a connection with somebody. Then you meet. And you can see in her eyes that she is not into you, that you're too heavy and you're sloppy and pale or whatever, right? And then that's not the bad part. The bad part is you have to do the rest of the date. You have to do the rest of the date. And so uh, so I have nothing but love in my heart and empathy for anybody struggling with weight because I was heavy most of my life. And I lost the weight, and I blame stand-up for it is because you're in, a, in an industry where everyone's judging everything about your physicality and your presence and every little thing about who you are affects what you get. Yeah. It's some, I felt like it was easier to lose weight. The hardest thing I've ever done. It was easier to do that than to try to make it as a chubby comedian. Dude, that's, that's, that's encouraging and disparaging all at the same time. I'm just fucking with you. No, it really is because like you've encouraged me to like be a better comic. You've encouraged me to eat better. You've actually like reached out to me and talking to me about paleo and then i hit you back to tell you because like i stopped communicating with you for a couple of months because i was so embarrassed like hey this dude just talked to me for like 45 fucking minutes about paleo and my fat fuck ass didn't even do paleo after this great and then billy showed me the before pictures i know what he looks like now and i'm just like okay do i need any more proof no billy's a fucking proof right here so the fact that i didn't follow his guidance about that I was like, I, I was just like, I was, I really was embarrassed and I still am embarrassed, but I'll bring it up right now because like, it's the truth, you know, and Billy, Billy has been a really good positive impact on my life and really has shown me how to really like, just respect yourself, value yourself and, you know, show your worth and like, 
nobody demonstrates that better than Billy when he's doing his gateway show or when he's headlining. And I really, I really do appreciate Billy. Like I fucking, I've always, I recommended you to a Zoom show. Like, and you know, that's a hit or miss. I know this doesn't sound like anything. You're like Zoom comedy, who gives a shit? But like, okay, for the record, Zoom comedy's hard. It's like you're in a confessional booth in a 2006 reality show. No I mean, technically, we're doing Zoom comedy right now, and you can't <laughs> There's no live audience with people groaning or cheering or laughing, so it's a little bit, but you're right, but yes, we're very, it's very, we're recording on Zoom, but without the live audience, that's the only difference, but I swear to God, I recommended Billy, because just based on, like, what I seen, and I was like, this guy could wrangle and kill it as a fucking like any wherever they put him on the show. And I told him, I was like, I have full confidence in Billy. And um, you know, he's he's gonna do a good job. You know, whether there's a cat's tail on his face or not, he's gonna fucking yeah. there's a the cat's <laughs> joined us. Uh the cat has joined us officially. Uh Casey uh, is not respecting my there's its ass. Thank you. Thank you, Casey. Having a good time. This is what Zoom comedy is like, guys. I just want you to know. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just like, like, fuck Zoom comedy. I don't give a shit. Okay, for the I record, mean, for better or worse, some people are like, I like the cats. The cats I, add to the Zoom qu comedy quality. I love cats. Cats are fucking great. But yeah. Well, I, I hope you know, just to go back a little bit pre-cat butt. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Is that like I I was chubby for most of my life up until I wasn't, and it's still I fluctuated in weight and gained it and lost it back again. And I think anybody who tries to act like it's you know easy or like not a big deal is either uh, one in a million person who just maybe got fat because they got like injured or something and it wasn't like in their brain. Uh, or they're trying to sell you something because the idea that it's not one of the hardest things in the world. Like, have you ever like that's like looking at somebody who gave up heroin and being like, oh, just, you know, do it. My buddy gave it up cold turkey or whatever. Like all of our bodies, all of our brains are different. And I think that like being a heavier person is like being a food addict in one way or another. And it's the only addiction where you have you have to do a little bit of it in order to survive. Uh, that's fucked up. It's hard. So, but I mean, it's just like you being so encouraging and optimistic and offering like light at the end of the tunnel when like a lot of comics are like, this is my problem and this is what's fucked up and this is what, how the industry's fucking me and I'm brilliant and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I've never heard any of that bullshit from you. And I well, really Victor, maybe that. just focus on being less fat. Don't, don't. <laughs> <try to continue. laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. You know, you're, you're right. It's like, like, but, but like, that's the thing. I'm, I'm, I, my goal is from, is, is to go from being morbidly obese to being moderately obese. That's my yeah, goal. There you go. Like, you know what I mean? So then it's just like, that's the difference between. 40 it all, it all feels better. As I was losing the weight, it all, it all felt a little better and better as it went. Um, but yeah. No, I, I didn't mean, believe you were fat, though. I did not believe you were fat. That was the thing. I'm like, next year, I've seen you a billion, uh, not a billion, but I had seen you like at least like eight times in person. And I was like, there's no way fuck you used to be fat. You're like, I'll send you pictures later. And I was like, okay, this is, these are pictures I'm never going to get. Then I got them and I'm like, holy fuck. 
that or you guys have Photoshop skills. And I was way. just I was just round is all it was because it like I didn't wear it well. You were stout and I, as fuck. Yeah, you were I more stout like, than you were fat. I look like when that one girl turned into a blueberry in uh, Willy Wonka. <laughs> like it was all midsection gut. It was bad. But, uh, but yeah. <laughs> that's, how, that's how fucking uh, fluid you are. When you're gen- gender fluid, you're like, it's cool. I could be this blueberry in the shape of, of, a, of a classic Willy Wonka movie. That's, but that's what that's what cool I identify about. as blueberry. <laughs> I want to call you Big Blue next time I see you. Big Blue. Big Blue, even though you're Big Red. No, I'm just fucking with you, brother. No, I really do. Like, And you know what's funny? It's fuck. It wasn't until like I heard you say that you had red hair. I didn't know she had red hair. <laughs> just the I beard. swear to God. I swear to God. I just thought you were just a white guy. Like, you know... <laughs> I, I mean, I, that's so stupid. You're like, okay, you, you, you're dumb. Yes, but also, though, too, I was just more like, I didn't like, I don't know, like, I, I didn't see any freckles, though, either, so that's why I was just like, maybe... Just I just don't go out in the sun. I just avoid the sun completely. <laughs> no, I mean, your fair skin and, like, it's just so fucking, like, I don't know, like, like in the Mexican culture, you could get any chick. Right now, you look like a Spaniard, actually. You oh, I did great with Latino women because I figured it's because once you're not a Latino man, we're all just as pale as anybody to them, right? As I figured. Hey, like, no, if I was as light skinned as you, bro, I'd have more power in the, with Mexican chicks than you do because well, here being I, light skinned is the win. I thought the, it was just my glowing personality, but yeah, oh, sorry, I, glowing personality. I'm, Jesus I'm, Christ! I'm, I was trying to just be superficial for two seconds, but no, no, no. Your glowing personality, your generosity, your willingness to like share information and knowledge with people that you care about and people that are willing to make the changes to better themselves is something that is above and beyond what just a regular comedian does. You know, it's just like you're really looking out to make sure that the state of comedy evolves, that we as comedians evolve. That even your own show evolves where you're adding- sustainability, right? Sustainability, make it all sustainable. That's all I want. Evolving, that'll happen. That'll happen whether or not we want it to happen. But create a sustainable situation where we don't just let rich fucks dictate what stand-up comedy is. Uh, again, if we're not paying fair wages and we're not creating situations where comics can get paid enough to live and pay their bills then only rich people can get by with their daddy and their mommy's money and that's going to be really shitty art so make it sustainable yeah man i mean that's really fucking solid advice i mean that's really something that's a standard that all comedians should live up to but unfortunately some people just want the title of stand-up comedian and like oh cool i've done a couple of shows I'm a stand-up comic, that's who I am. And it's like, God forbid you write a new joke. But like, you know, with you, Billy, I really noticed that like when you host, you incorporate new material, you incorporate new concepts, you incorporate new themes and new... Sh- I mean, you are I don't want to give away anything about your show, but Billy has this interactive um, show that you, you involves your phone and it's Yeah, we have them cool. text in. Like, I didn't want to say text, okay. We've so, talked about it a few times okay, uh, here so far to, today. Yeah. 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 I just wanted to make sure because like, um, I'm not, I mean, I know we talked about it. I just wasn't, I didn't remember exactly how far we went into it. If it was revealed that it was text, but like, honestly though, even if you, like, like, like honestly, each one of these shows is like snowflakes. It like, honestly, Billy could tour the country with the same exact three comics 
and him hosting it. And it will be a different, unique, awesome show every single time. And that's what's really cool about the show because honestly, man, like, and like, I, like, even the most, like, 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 I don't know, like, what's the most problematic thing that could happen? A comic gets too stoned and they can't perform. And guess what? Powered through like a champ because you're a fucking professional, Billy. And, you know, without exposing the business. Like, well, we've had him wander off. Yeah. We've, we've had him not show. And I always just do the same thing where we make the crowd boo me and, and, and demand them. And then I videotape it and I send it to the comic who bailed or who didn't show up. That's my favorite thing is I go, if, I go, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to announce that the person disappeared or I'm going to announce that the person didn't show up. And if you guys could start booing. One time I had them, I handed out balled up pieces of paper and had them chuck it at me on stage while I was dodging it and begging for them to stop. And then you just send it to the comic who wandered off and you don't give them any other context. <laughs> I was actually there when it happened one time. They tried to do their set in the hallway. It was one of those things, it was fucked up because I really thought I was able to be a big brother to this comedian that I just met and just let them know, hey, listen, we're gonna get through this, it's okay. No one's judging you. Everyone already liked you. You're ready to do your set sober. They liked you. Just go back up there, it'll be fine. Even if you bomb, they'll like you because they already like you. So don't worry about it. The worst case scenario is you're gonna leave and they're gonna like you. That's the worst case scenario. Like. And then she was like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. And she did not go back up. And I was just like, it would happen one time. I've done the show like, like seven times. I, mean, I would say it's only happened like four or five times, but every time we always try to just give them a wireless microphone and make them do it anyway from wherever they're at. <laughs> I couldn't believe that shit was happening. And then she's she's out in the hallway. She's just giving out her, her jokes. And she wasn't standing up. She was just like, and it was hilarious. I was dying. It was like, it was like one of those things where you're like, hey, Victor, I think you're going up right now because I don't, I don't think, I don't think they're coming back. And I'm just like, yeah, right. That's never happened, Billy. I've done your show a million times. You're like, oh. <laughs> Victor, be ready right now. I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. Thank God it was. Thank God I didn't go try to go to the bathroom or anything because, like, if I tried to go to the bathroom right then and there, it would have been like, I only had like two minutes. At two minutes, and it was just like, and, and you did shame. It was like you really did live up to the whole fucking like. And then, but but really though, that night it was positive because you had them chanting her name and we want. We want and then the, the name of the comic. I remember it's trying name. to it's trying to keep up the positive vibes because it's not fun. Like being angry about it, it's not going to be funny, but uh, <laughs> being absurd about it and like being way above above and beyond weird is the way to do it. So I love it when when someone doesn't show up or someone cancels last minute or whatever. I always say I always say I'm teaching the audience about uh, safe words because I make them boo me until I. Till I give our safe word. So it works sure. out. That's so funny. And it's just like, it's really such a friendly and wonderful atmosphere. And it's just like, I don't know, like every time I, I do your show or I hang out with you or do a show with you, it's like, dude, I always have a good time. I always know that like, oh, cool. My brother's in the room. This is a guy who like is looking out for my best interests. He's never going to fuck me over. He's never going to fuck because that's the thing about this, this business. It's so dirty. And isn't like Billy's going to fuck me. It's just, Oh, a comedian is going to look out for the best interest and then maybe do something really underhanded that's going to like really fuck me over, you know, whether they realize it or not. It's like, you know, that's that's what happens a lot in this business. It's horrible. But like with well, Billy, Billy yeah. 
not only looks out for his fellow comedian, Billy also provides, you know, really quality stage time and a lot of great opportunities to go on the road and do good stuff. So um, you, I think you're a fabulous comedian. And I think that you're really given a lot of like insightful information about stand-up comedy that is just like above and beyond what the public knows. And I really do wish you the best of luck with all of your shows, whether you're headlining or you're producing your gateway comedy show. I really think that it's so fucking cool, everything that you do and just how uplifting you are. And like, you know, I wanted to share with everybody that listens to my podcast, just how awesome you are. And just like, really what a treasure you are as a comedian and as a comedian's comedian, because like, to me, like, I'm just like, Hey, like the way I view it, and this is fucked up, is just like, hey, if this comic died, would I cry? And that's how I know if I care about them. And I'm like, yeah, if Billy Anderson died, I'd fucking cry. So it's just, you're like, that isn't what I wanted to hear. <laughs> but, like, that's all I ask, is that's how I'm just trying to live my life. So, so when I die, it makes as many people bummed out as possible. <laughs> it's like, that's your life goal, and that's what you wanted. No, 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 no. You're much more than that. I didn't want to end with that. I just wanted to say that, like, you really make me happy. You really bring a lot of positivity. And, like, like really, you lead by example. You really do. And like a lot of people like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. No, with Billy, Billy actually like, you know, he's like, hey, I'm doing this. I'm going here. What do you guys think about this place right here? And it's funny because then like, you know, I follow the page and people are like, hey, why don't you bring a show here? And it's like a dry state or like you can't bring the show there because of the laws or whatnot or that specific county, you can't do it. Or with that specific city, you can't do it. So it's just like, all the risks and everything that you do to make uh, stand-up comedy possible and also fun and funny because stand-up comedy is supposed to be funny but when it's also fun in addition to that funny that's what stands out like that's what really like that's a takeaway um thing of of, of this whole episode is just that uh when you go to a comedy show you want to have a good time and you want to make sure that the comedians are funny Billy does a great job booking it, producing it, and hosting it. And it's just like, and headlining it too. It's just like you do, all, it's like you wear all these hats and it's, it's, it's so, it's, it's like, wow. And then you still hold conversations with your comics, with the, with the, with the people at the venue, and then also with the people working the venue and the, your, the, um, the audience themselves. So I'm just like, Wow, dude, you have a great, like, 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 honestly, you have to be, you have to have great communication skills to be able to speak to all these different people at all these different levels that, like, you know, it's like, this is personal, this is professional, this is like, you know, it, it's, it's, it's really admirable. So um, I just want to ask you before I let you go, because I know I want to be respectful of your time. And uh, where can the people find you at home? What are the websites or um, Instagram handles that the people can follow you? They can find me almost anywhere at Billy Tells Jokes. You can find me online at BillyAnderson.com, A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N.com. Gateway Show on Instagram's at Gateway Comedy or at GatewayShow.com. And if you want to see if there's a show coming near you, GatewayShow.com slash T-I-X. Any shows we have, they're up there. Uh, the next big run we're going to be doing uh, we're doing uh, beginning of July, we'll be in the Pacific Northwest. And then in August, 
will be all over, including Colorado. We're doing another run out there. So check us out. Absolutely. Go to these shows, support Billy, uh, whether you see him or his show, uh, you're guaranteed to have a good time. You're guaranteed to be entertained by somebody who is absolutely talented and a really good guy, which is really unique in our business. And so I'm happy to have had you on this show, Billy. Thank you for agreeing to do my podcast, man. It means a lot to me. And um, I can't wait to do, you, uh, to do your show on the 17th of June in Santa Rosa at Three Disciples. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. It's going to be a good time. I'm going to get to see my boy, Billy. I'm going to get to hang out. It's going to be a good time. And um, we'll have a beer or a, a, a butter, two or three or seven. But we'll um, shoot up. Let's fucking get crazy. <laughs> I've never shot up, but fuck it. It's the gateway shot. I'm just Yola. kidding. I'm just, <laughs> that's so awesome, man. But anyway, brother, I love you so much. Um, I'm going to put up all those hyperlinks so everyone can follow you very easily. Um, appreciate your time. I love you, brother. I wish you continued success. And uh, again, I can't, I think, and thank you enough for not only doing this podcast, but also sort of being my friend and in this business. So thank you so much, Billy. Can't wait to see you soon, brother. Later. Thanks for listening. Subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, do your boy a favor tell your friends, tell your cool family members, tell your cool co workers, let them know about the podcast. And leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and be sure to follow me on all social media, Puro Papi Pacheco, and check out my website at HispanicTitanic.com for future dates. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Have a great day.